zero. Okay, it looks like we're recording now. Oh, hey, yeah. Becky. How's your day going? Uh, it was a busy day so far. It's only one, um, but I took my dog to the vet for mm -hmm. her final round of puppy shots. Um, I have already booked a couple of meetings with people who I know and people I don't know to talk about like what's going on. So a friend of mine who is an exchange, who started off as an exchange student in the U.S. for his um, undergraduate ended up staying through for a PhD. So I'm going to be talking with him tonight to kind of get his take on everything that's happening. And then also I connected with an IUP alum, IUP is where I went to college, um, through IUP's statement that they just made on their Instagram, which while it wasn't perfect, it was not perfect wording. But again, it's like that whole conversation we keep having that like, for some reason, we, we as white people, as the power in the institutions, just we don't have the right language all the time to talk about this stuff and we want to do something, but we keep putting our feet in our mouths and everyone calls us out and then we're like, I don't know what to do. You're damned if you do or you're damned if you don't. So well, um, well, what, what, was so, what was so problematic about the language and the message? So overall, it was really good. It was like, we own up to the fact that like, we have done wrong by our past students and our present students. We wanna make sure that we do right by our future students. But the problematic language was in the caption where it said, as a result of the actions of the past few days, which I get how that is triggering. And so this individual who like called me out on my stuff was like, yeah, of course, Becky, you're all support, which I get it. My name's Becky. Like, I get it. I am white. I understand his frustration. So I immediately responded back, which I never get into Instagram conversations with anyone because you can't understand anything. But I just said, hey, like, just so you know, like, I, 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 I'm on your side. And I know that I don't look like I am. And I look like I'm a token Instagrammer who's like, hashtag social justice. Um, and I know that IUP is just jumping on the trend. Like, if other institutions weren't doing this, IUP would have never put out that statement because IUP has a history of incredibly racist policies. Um, I myself worked together with a, a, my then boyfriend um, and a faculty member to put together a, um, a grant proposal to help bring support to first generation Latino students at our school because we noticed the dropout numbers were just outrageous. And so since the school kept saying, no, we don't have funding. No, we can't do this. We just went and got the funding ourselves to start our, our mentorship group. Um, and so I told this guy, I'm like, hey, like, I understand IUP administration pretends to hear you and nothing really happens, but like, let's meet and let's talk and let's figure out like, what were your struggles? I can talk about what were my struggles. And then we as like, we can get other leaders together from the different organizations that represent students of color to really make a proposal to say, hey, you guys are saying you wanna talk about this. Here are our ideas. Like, here is what you can do as an institution to address the history of racist policies in your institution and also make sure that your institution's a safer place for the future. And now I know people are responding to my stuff now saying, oh yeah, that's a bunch of baloney, we tried. I tried too, I understand, it's disheartening. I'm not ready to give up though. And if IUP is like, we're trying, let's, let's at least give them credit for trying and then hold them accountable for what oh, they're yeah. saying. I, I do believe that it is possible to both hold 
people and institutions accountable, but then also support where you can. So yeah, I don't like basically this morning, like mind you, I'm not even checking social media. I'm not checking the media. I tried and I gave and, it. No, 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 wait, 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 let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Like I'm at a point where it doesn't matter if I don't watch the news. It doesn't matter if I don't, um, you know, go on any social media. If, if many, many of you out there, if you're like me, you keep getting all these emails from anything you've ever signed up for. I mean, I get emails from spas that I might've gone to one time. Um, if I went to acupuncture twice for somewhere, I've, I've gotten their, like both their COVID and their racial, racial injustice emails. And then, um, you know, this morning I got an email from my alma mater, my alma, my undergrad alma mater is U of I, and it was, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm like reading it on my phone now, like where it's like they're talking about, you know, they're, they're referencing George Floyd, you know, they're talking about the COVID-19 pandemic, they also mentioned Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, la 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 la, keeps going down a list, and then, you know, just, you know, they talk about, you know, you know, black, you know, black and brown people, like, like, you know, just being able to be sensitive to the issues that people in these communities are going through. Um, like they say, black and brown communities. And then toward the end, um, like, because it's a multi-paragraph email, like, where, where does it, toward the end it goes, like, only then we will reach our full potential as the Illini community, as a country, and as the human race. And it's like, <laughs> Illini, and, and, you know, I remember how controversial that mascot was at my school. And I, I don't know right now exactly whether or not the mascot is still active, but the fact is you're still using like the Illini name. And I actually, I don't normally do this, but then I emailed um, the Alumni Association, which sent this out just to let them know like how, like just, I don't, it was only a few sentences, but I let them know how I felt about it um, because Otherwise, it would have been a, a strong email. But then again, you know, just like so many other higher ed institutions, I know how they have dropped the ball. With that said, with that said, um, you know, I thought a lot about, like, yes, I did respond to that email to let the Alumni Association know how I felt. But then it also did make me think about all the great people and all the great learning experiences I had while being at U of I. And so what I decided to do was um, go onto the website, look at the different funds they have. And they have a couple funds. There's one that's specifically to support students with, who've been impacted by COVID-19. And I don't know exactly how they're defining that. I'm sure there's a way to find out, but there's like some, like, like many other institutions, or at least I'm hoping many other institutions, there's some type of COVID-19 fund to support students. And then there's just a general, um, like, a, like emergency fund with the Dean um, that, that, you know, and, you know, that's not specific to COVID, but again, it's meant to support students in all types of emergencies. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm here to support, you know, my, the students there. Um, you know, from what I've been reading, the class of 2023 is the most diverse class they've had in a variety of ways. And so that is a step, that is one more step in the right direction for that institution. Mm -hmm. But I'm also not going to just forget all the like symbolic and you know daily discrimination that that has happened there too. 
Um, but that, it's, 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 it's taken me 14 great. years, 14 years to donate after I graduated. <laughs> oh, I know. And, and, and the thing is like IUP state, I mean, they even linked to the unpacking the invisible knapsack and said, read, watch this, like understand what Peggy, Peggy McIntosh is saying, because this is so much bigger than the horrible things that happened on our campus. Like there are, I'm not going to go into them because they're very traumatic for the people of color who experience these things. So I'm not going to mention them specifically. You can just Google IUP racism if you want to see. Um, but it doesn't erase any of that and it doesn't absolve the institution of any of those things. And also the wording again, wasn't perfect, but I really am starting comparing the university's reaction to this one th this situation and their reaction to previous situations i can tell there's a difference because it seems like they're actually providing resources and they're actually thinking about things and in a weird way they're inviting us all to hold them accountable to that in the statement so were you overall very satisfied with what U of I Alumni Association did, or are you overall dissatisfied? It's... Did that last mess up? Well, did, it did, makes me more committed to the students, right? Yeah. Yes. It makes me more committed to the students who, like, you know, especially with me working in, in, in this field of higher ed, it's, you know, just, knowing how their education has been interrupted, um, the different traumas that people have had to manage, the new responsibilities, um, especially as you're trying to balance your home life. If there is in fact an established home for you, that might not be the case. Yeah, good like, point. So, so that's like, you know, how I feel about, it, it's really, so it, it really just sparked more of my desire to support the students there. Um, and how I feel about the institution. I mean, look, I'm proud. I'm proud of my affiliation there. But I, you know, with as with any other connection that I were there, where I have one of pride and love, I do call people out if they in in a like a very like. And I mean, when I say call out, I don't necessarily mean in a mean way. Like I was very direct, professional. I let them know like what the institution meant to me. And to my family, because I'm not the only person in my family who's gone to that university. Yeah, that's but that's all the more reason why I I like demand that the university or that the alumni association be better. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go on. No, I mean when I was working with the mentor program, uh, or when I, I put it together with my colleagues at IUP, the big thing is is that we wanted to figure out how could we create a campus where first generation Latino students felt welcomed because that was one of the biggest reasons for dropout was because there was no place for them. They lumped all of the Latino students into the African-American Cultural Center, which is where they also lumped all the first-generation white students who were on scholarships. So if you were poor or if you were a scholarship recipient, everything was funneled through the African-American Cultural Center at that point, which at a certain time may have been the correct approach and it may have been the community supported approach but while i was there i just saw it heightening racial tensions and creating a space in which it felt almost antagonistic because people of different backgrounds were forced to go to the african-american cultural center where everything was 100 percent about african-american pride afro pride black pride there were no spaces within that building 
that were dedicated to other groups of people of color. And also, again, point, pointing out that they were putting first-generation white students into that as well, which again is well-meaning. I understand, like they needed a place to put these kids who are on scholarships for their like mentoring and all of that, but it, it didn't address the specific cultural needs of the groups, which is why since my area has always been in Latin American studies, and working with um, transnational populations. That's why we were working specifically with the Latino students. But the campus environment was still antagonistic. We were trying to create a safe space for these students to be able to talk about like how tough it is to know that you're supposed to be home helping your mom raise your siblings, but you're, you have to study and like you can't go home every weekend to help because you need to study or rest. <laughs> I mean, and, and yeah, and it's exactly those types of things that like I've had in mind. And I mean, at, from just being the person who's donating, there also is just has to be a degree of trust to that, like, you know, where exactly are the funds going to? How do they discern who's getting what funds? But I also want to talk about where it's not. What? I, so it's just not going into this random pot that they're specifically, they're earmarked for certain, what is ear, what is it called? They're, no, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's for, yeah. It's, I can't remember what that means. <laughs> it's like restricted funds, like there are four That's that specific, important. specific fund. Um, it wasn't, I know, I know advancement offices love unrestricted, but that is not what this is. Um, I wanted to also ask though, because I know that, was it on Tuesday night that you went to a march? Yeah. I think it was Tuesday. It, it, it all, everything's all blurred together at this point. I can't even tell what day is what, but yes. Um, clearly my dog is also emotional right now. Yes, I did go to the vigil in Manchester and I'm so glad I went. Um, and if, I'm not gonna go into tons and tons of specifics because again, Lindsay and I are trying to figure out how to make these conversations not go on for a whole long hour. Um, the vigil itself was so beautiful and the speakers were all different ages there were high school graduates who were on their way to pursue degrees in nursing there were um people who are new to the um manchester area there are people who've been there their whole lives it was an incredible gathering that i wasn't expecting to see in manchester and it was very peaceful everyone was trying to stay socially distant um the police were very respectful. I actually afterwards, because one of the big messages of the speech that was given towards the end was make sure you go home and have conversations. If you are here and you are an ally, be an ally in every aspect of your life. And that means raising those conversations and having them because it's really, really, really important that you spread our stories and, and talk about the importance of, of the change that is necessary. And as I was leaving, there were, was a group of kids in front of me and they were heading out too and they passed one of the cops and they stopped dead in their tracks and the one kid went hey 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 hold on hold on guys he turned around and went up to the cop and was like hey can I get your opinion on what's going on like I really want to know what you're thinking right now and it was so cool because I didn't know if I was going to see that because everyone wasn't leaving rah 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 down with the system it was let's figure out how we can heal and and and, and right the wrongdoings right but backing up before I got there, um, I needed to pick up a candle and I was like, where am I gonna pick up a candle? And so I was like, oh, I'll just go to the grocery store. The Goya section always has the Novena candles, right? So I was going to stop at the uh, market basket that's off of South Willow. Again, I had no idea what was in the news because I hadn't been looking at it. Turns out there was some guy who had posted 
uh, an event to do a counter protest to protect all of the businesses on South Willow Street from the looters, right? Guys now, he was charged with inciting things and I don't know all the specifics, but he was arrested. But the people still went. So as I turned off of South Willow, all of the businesses were boarded up, everything. And then people were tailgating, white people were tailgating in parking lots of all of the businesses. And again, not local businesses. We're talking about big multinational companies like CVS, DSW Shoes, Petco, Michaels. Like, okay, so I was first confused because people were tailgating outside of businesses because I wasn't putting two and two together. And then I saw a group of at least 20 men wearing bulletproof vests circled up in an auto parts store parking lot, military style. Civilians, that's when I called my friend who I was going to be meeting up with to be like, hey, full transparency, I'm seeing a group of dudes that looks real scary. And then I looked off to the side where Taco Bell was. There was a group of five individuals with what to me looked like automatic rifles. I don't know what automatic rifles look like from non-automatic rifles, but we're talking big guns slung over their shoulders outside of a Taco Bell. Yeah. That was when I realized, and I'm still meditating on this because I still don't fully grasp this idea. And I really want to have a conversation with these gunslingers because they're willing to publicly display that they are 100% ready to defend the Taco Bell. Which if you haven't done some research on the background of Taco Bell and you're watching this, you should, cause it's like the epitome of American cultural appropriation. But they want their $1 tacos more than they want to denounce the murdering of black Americans. And that is still a really hard concept for me to to, to, to just deal with and it actually showed me how 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 massive this problem is like I didn't know that people in my state would prefer to defend a Taco Bell I mean and again you know like you and I you and I had this conversation you've had we've had this rubber of the like you know I kind of have that perspective of like I'm not surprised like I've seen stuff like this before here's my question like because you know for people that are listening to us for the first time. So like, you know, Becky's based in New Hampshire. So you're talking about Manchester, New Hampshire. You know, I'm curious who, who goes, was it actually a, a sponsor? Was this March actually sponsored by like Black Lives Matter? Okay. So yeah, it was organized by Black Lives Matter Manchester. Um, most who goes, are they like, I'm thinking, you know, I think for people, especially who aren't, who don't live in New Hampshire, don't live in New yeah. England. <laughs> people just imagine a white 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 state what does new like who the heck was at this this yeah. or this march so manchester is one of the few towns manchester and salem new hampshire tend to be the two that people point to when they want to talk about where there's diversity um because my town is almost 100 percent white um but manchester does have a sizable um black population very large um <laughs> Spanish-speaking population as well, um, a lot of Afro-Latinos. Um, again, these are all terms that that people, especially Latinos, kind of struggle with, like what, my identity, all of those things, because everyone wants to go skin color, I'm white, right? It doesn't work when you're Latino, and it doesn't always work when you're black either. Like your identity is your identity. Here's an awkward conversation, I'm struggling through it. Um, 
Anyhow, so at this, this vigil, it was a vigil. It was not a march. It was not a protest. It was a beautiful vigil. Um, it was mostly white people, but it was a pretty mixed crowd for New Hampshire. And how would you estimate, when you're saying, okay, what would you estimate was the population? You may or may, I mean, I don't expect you to have stats off the top of your head. I think they said there was like five or 600 people there. I can't remember. I needed, I need to, I should have pulled that, the article up. Okay. But I would say probably like off the top of my head, probably a quarter to maybe um, one third of the population was probably black and the rest was mixed between white and other races. Um, but it was, it was very interesting watching all of the people who look like me kind of go, damn. As like we listed names for five minutes of black men and women who have been killed by cops, murdered by cops. I mean, we went all the way back to Emmett Till, which there are people before Emmett Till, of course, but like Emmett Till is like the one that everyone like points to, right? I actually was gonna ask, did you go as far back as Emmett Till? But yeah, and yeah, these are the ones that make headlines, not necessarily the ones that never make news, right? And then they shouted out, if you know any other names we need to repeat that have not made the news. So then people were sharing names with their friends and family who have been murdered. It was moving. Yeah. It was sad. I mean, you're, if, that's, if that's how it went in, say, like, you know, where people are adding names of people they know in New Hampshire, I'm trying to imagine, like, say, if you went to a city with a larger population like Chicago or, you know, what does that, we, we would still, we would still be talking, you know, that vigil would still be going on right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and, and so, yeah, so no, thanks for sharing. Was there anything else about the vigil? that you wanted to share? I think that was kind of the biggest point is that for me as a participant, I was on my way and I was faced with this image of lots of men who were armed and it was largely white men. There were some women, but it was mostly men with their hatch, their, their tailgates down with Yeti coolers with a gun hanging out in front of a CVS. Mm -hmm. So I had to, find the wherewithal to push through all of that and feel like, okay, have confidence in the organizers of this event. I had to have confidence in the police who were there to protect the vigil. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. This all looks scary. I should probably go home, but I'm going to trust this is all going to be okay. Because it gave me a glimpse. Again, I've had a couple of these instances in my life, but it gave me another one of those glimpses for what it must feel like to be a person of color and to be afraid to be out in your community. So that was another thing that just pushed me over the edge. I was like, I'm feeling scared and that means I need to go. Which is, which is also interesting because I mean, I mean, yeah, right now we are in tense times, but you know, I'll, I'll even say as I'm oh. hearing that story, I'm thinking, well, if it was majority white people in that crowd, I don't necessarily see that going down the same way like other protests. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I, and or or I other vigils, I should say. So we discussed this, I think, in the last episode where I was waiting for friends to offer to come with me, right? And I started reaching out to people. People were like, you can come to my house if stuff goes down, but like, sorry, like, I'm not going. It's too scary. Um, 
And one of my friends who was gonna go, but she had other things she had to do that night. She does a lot of social justice work. So like she was allowed to have the night off. Um, uh, she, she gave me the best advice ever. She said, when I go to a protest or I go to a march or I go to a demonstration or I go anywhere where I have to go by myself because no one will go with me, I look in the crowd for someone who has kids or I, I find someone who looks safe. And again, looks safe, meaning someone who has their arms open and is full of love, like emanating love, I guess, is how she put it. And just say, hey, I'm here by myself. Any chance I can just hang with you so I'm not alone. And that's what I did. I, as soon as I got out of my car, I noticed there were a whole bunch of people that were all heading in the same direction holding candles. So I knew that, and I bought an extra candle when I was at the market basket. So I brought the extra candle with me. And I saw a woman who was on her way and I'm like, hey, are you going to the, the, the vigil? Cause I'm going and I have an extra candle. Do you want my candle? And so we struck up a conversation and it was wonderful. So if you are alone, like I was, which was kind of nerve wracking, but there are amazing people at these events. So if you're nervous and you can't find friends to go with, go and make a friend. It's, it's scary because in our society, we're so used to like texting and hiding behind a screen before we meet people, just like that's how we date now, right? Like all of our dating is this like meet over text first, not this, hey, you're at this thing that I care about and we're both going to be at this well, thing. Right again. now, right now, text is all we have for dating, if we're to I, be honest. I, um, I, I, mean, I know there are people doing socially distanced dates, but yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, so I mean, okay, you, you went to this march and, you know, or this vigil, again, I keep calling it a march, but it's a vigil. Okay, and then I guess, what's the next step? Like, or like, what, okay, are you, you know, like, okay, there's all this momentum, all these people came together. So I, I actually um, sent a message to Black Lives Matter Manchester and said, hey, I wanna do something in my town. What advice do you have? Um, which was, I think, the best thing to do because I don't know what to do. And they're an organization just did this. So I just went out on a whim and messaged them. And they messaged me immediately back. And they said, first of all, we really recommend that it be led by an organization that represents black people, which I was like, totally. Like, I don't know. So they recommended I reach out to the NAACP to see if there's any support there. Um, I also reached out to our local library because our library in my town is a wonderful, wonderful place. And I got a phone call today from the director of the library. Um, he said, unfortunately, I'm, I, I'm not allowed to like hold the event here, but wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's a whole bunch of local organizations that do events at our library that know what you need to do. And also here's some people in the police and at town hall you can reach out to. So I'm in the process right now of figuring out how to have a local event here. And also tomorrow there is a vigil in Nashua at 6 p.m. So if you're in the New Hampshire area, feel free to message me if you wanna hang out. Um, socially distant, of course, I will be wearing a mask. Um, but I'll be in Nashua tomorrow at 6 p.m. standing with Black Lives Matter and NAACP again. Um, and I'm luckily bringing along a couple friends this time. I'm really, really happy about that. So that's what I'm doing right now. So this is like, you know, I hear this and I'm thinking, okay, so the goals to me sound like awareness, community building, you know, where does it, because people are like, okay, what could I do? That's because I do think there is definitely a need for the awareness for the community building. Where then does it become like, okay, 
there, you know, there, there's obviously been more than one case like this. I mean, understatement of, understatement of the century of the, uh, uh, so, so, I mean, so where, where does it then become, hey, this is the impact I want to make on the, like, after that, the, the impact on the system, like, whether it's legislation or just what else, you know. So I think locally, like, in my town, and I'm, again, I'm going on camera saying this stuff, and again, I don't know if it's smart to do it, but, like, I don't feel safe putting a Black Lives Matter sign outside of my house. Really? So okay. I don't. My neighbors are gun-carrying, knife-making, and, and, and I know my neighbors are going to see this, too, but I have not seen any public support for the Black Lives Matter movement in my community. I have seen Blue Lives Matter flags. I have seen Trump propaganda. Um, and so the, the, the messages I've been receiving from my neighbors since I moved into this town is, this is, uh, Blue Lives Matter, right? All lives matter. Um, and so I am hesitant to put a sign in my yard because I'm worried about my own safety which again, goes back to the core issues that we've been talking about. Like, this is ridiculous. And I know I, as a member of this town, would feel safer putting that sign if I knew there were more people in my community that would support me, that would come to my defense if someone showed up at my house with a militia to rip the sign out of my yard. Mm -hmm. And so I know if I'm feeling like that, I know there's other people in my town that feel like that or even more scared. So that's why I feel like having some type of a public demonstration in my town is so incredibly important because I need to network with the people in my town who feel strongly about this. And I need to feel safe putting a sign in my yard so that when people pass by my yard, they know where I stand. I need to have conversations with them, but I'm still so angry. I don't want to push that the wrong way. So I'm waiting until I'm not angry right now. I'm just getting myself surrounded by with people who are willing to have these conversations and are open. I'm not forcing the conversations yet because I'm not, I don't have the energy right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I trying to build this visible support, I think is really important in my community and getting more active in local politics. A friend of mine suggested school board. I'm thinking about it. I, I really, I truly am thinking about running for office or finding people who want to run for office on the, the right platforms and supporting them like crazy, you know? No, I mean, no, thanks for sharing that. Um, I know we, we might have like, say like five to 10 minutes left, I guess. Cause yeah, you've just like, here I am like moderating, facilitating. Um, and so we, I do want to, I mean, we could, we could always talk more at another time about this, but like I'm exhausted. Part of it is part of it is my treatment. Part of it is all of the stuff that we've just been talking about, the pandemic, work, la 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 la. And then trying to figure out, you know, yeah, like how do I make an impact? And I feel like this week it's been one, the dialogues and then two, the donations to, you know, like not just my alma mater, but even to like other funds. Yeah, I donated, to, uh, donated yeah. to an emergency grocery delivery service in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Like, 
that's what I did today. Because, and because you're from, well, you're from like I'm from Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah. And this was started by an IUP alum. So, so, but I guess in terms of just self-care, like for me, um, I mean, for me, the best self-care right now has been relaxing, realizing I really need to clean my apartment. It just, it's the thing that has been neglected the most as I've been doing everything I have with, again, my treatment and work. Um, and I guess what, what is it for, you know, like meditation, sure, I'll get to that when I get to it, but, but sometimes they're just, you know, for me, they're- Meditation is first. Meditation should be first, and you know that. Yeah. It is, I mean, sometimes it's, um, you know, you're right. Well, I think it's listening to my body and what I think I need most, and part of what my body needs is to have a clean apartment, and sometimes- I think it's not also just what you do, but how you do it. Like how could any mundane, how could any mundane thing you do be meditative? Mindfulness Whether, what, in action. What did you say? Mindfulness in action. So like when, when I don't want to clean, which is like I wrote down, I'm behind in all of my chores and my, I feel bad because I'm not holding up my end of the bargain here in my marriage because I'm so consumed right now because sweet joke disease and sorry says white woke people are exhausting yeah I'm I know I'm exhausting poor Chris but anyway um when I do decide to finally fold clothes I am 100% focused on the clothes and 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 folding them or washing the dishes like you can turn any activity you do into a mindful activity that means literally paying attention to the things you see the things you smell, the things you taste, the things you touch. Like when you use your, the things you hear, in your, not in your head, but like the stuff around you that helps to pull you out of your head. So when you're practicing mindfulness in your everyday actions, like when you're driving to work, when you're on the T, when T's the Boston Public Transportation System for anyone local, um, anything you do, it can be mindful. So while you're cleaning your apartment today, that can be a mindful meditative act. It doesn't have to be sitting around going, I'm so enlightened. Well, no. You know what's funny though? I want to bring this up because especially with me having gone through my med going through my medical treatment, um, and you might have remembered this on the WhatsApp group I had you added on, oh, or maybe or no, this was a while back, so you might not have remembered, but like right after my mastectomy in the following weeks, like I noticed that sometimes people were giving me tidbits on mindfulness but actually my friend who has like a rehab counseling background she I remember in the whatsapp group and I and this is where I also just want to make a distinction how sometimes mindfulness is the thing sometimes it's not the thing you need where sometimes when a trauma is really fresh like in this case it was having an organ from my body removed one where there's a lot of emotional attention in some ways like the met like meditating it's like oh no that is not the thing for me right now and again because i was like i almost was feeling like oh is it that i'm not doing it right but my friend said when when a trauma's fresh it might not be the is she or she would argue it's not the thing for you i i mean for That's me I'm, really I'm, poignant i'm gonna say it depends you know it again like i might not be an expert in this but she again this is something where she had more of a background mm -hmm. um and so yeah, like for a while, it didn't seem like meditation was the best thing. Okay. But, some, but in some in some ways, like prayer was. But again, I think prayer is also such a unique thing because people go into prayer with different types of 
intentions they have they have different relationships with whatever divine power they believe in you know for some people like myself a prayer might be more of a dialogue or there may also be requests um and so i do think the nature like again if it's prayer i think the nature of someone's relationship to the higher power will impact what it does for you and then i also think again with meditation or or like just mindfulness you kind of have to figure out like where are where am i right now because meditation is a tool in the toolbox it's not it's not the only tool and i think depending on where someone is with trauma i i mean it's kind of interesting sometimes i wonder like especially you know with any type of trauma i wonder if in some ways it helps us survive to disconnect from our bodies i'm not saying that as a as a as a strong statement i'm saying i'm i wonder there's a lot of research that's being done on the benefits of psychoactive drugs. Is that psycho psychoactive? Is that the right word? I don't even mushroom. know if I'm using the right word. <laughs> but like using mushrooms and, and acid and other types of hallucinatory drugs to manage trauma. Um, clearly the research is, is difficult because they're using controlled substances. However, there have been a number of studies that are really interesting about exploring how it's kind of like hitting reset on your brain, especially if you are going through trauma, because it allows you that, that full break from like actual cognition. I have, I have not read the studies. I know there's books on it and podcasts and the like. Um, but as you're saying, like, being in that feeling is hard. So what are the other things that are in your toolkit? I have a list of things that I wrote down, but I want to know what's in your toolkit. Jeez. Well, so here's the thing. And this is actually something that I've discussed with different people is that because of this pandemic, some of the things that would typically be in my toolkit are not accessible or safe to me right now. So for example, I was even told with cancer treatment by one of my doctors that, oh, you know, acupuncture could be good. And I said, I loved acupuncture even before I got this diagnosis, but now I can't really do it, you know? And she was just trying to encourage me and say, oh, you know, sometime in the future it will be possible, but right now acupuncture isn't one. I love getting massages. You know that's not happening right now. Um, you know I like to go, like I had a few memberships to different museums and when I travel, I like going to museums. That's not an option right now. And so I also just want to acknowledge right now that, you know, as we are encouraging self-care, I am someone who, who knows what it feels like to have like all these tools I've had for myself just be removed from me. Um, and, you know, I would even say sometimes when I used to go to bars and watch basketball games, someone might say, oh, like someone might not think of a bar as self-care, but they might just think, oh, that'll get you close to alcohol and that's not good. But no, when I, when I used to live in another town around here, you know, the bartenders knew me. Like I, I, you know, for me, the bar and watching basketball games was community. And we, we all know right now, basketball games are not happening. So, um, yeah, I, I think, and you know, I do have a lot of books. Like, you know, if you come to my apartment, you know, I have a lot, there's so many I could read, but really my heart and mind haven't been into reading. So I, so yeah, yeah, you, you know what that's like. And so, I mean, I do like going for walks, but then as I've explained to different friends, sometimes when I'm going on the walk, I'll get annoyed if I see people not wearing masks or not social distancing. Because you live in a city where I well, live in a rural area. I don't pass anyone when I go for a walk. But but see, I, I don't want to say, I, like, especially having grown up in Chicago, it's not like I live in the densest neighborhood. It is like, it's, 
a suburb right outside of the city where depending where within the suburb you are, it could feel more suburban, it could feel more urban. Um, I do believe it is a town that has more green space than others. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I mean, but to me, it's not even, it, it's just like, it's just like, okay, like, we, I understand that you might not want the mask on all the time, but can you at least like put it down? And then when you see someone pull it up, like when I see that someone doesn't even do that, or, you know, I saw a group of preteen boys playing basketball and they, I mean, that for, for men on the streets and for many reasons that just isn't safe right now. But, um, but yeah, I, I will say that's why it's like, huh, maybe washing my dishes could be my tool. Um, or even just watching shows. Like for me, I'm like kind of running out of shows where it's like, okay, I've watched this show. I've watched that show. But then I also need another stimulus. Like it can't just be the same let me like lie in my bed and watch a show so you like switch things up you're someone who likes to switch things up for yeah. your, your your out like your activities and stuff I always thought that was really interesting so you never went to the same place every weekend you were someone who was like this week I'm going to this museum this week I'm going to this like art show this week I'm going to this concert like it was all over the place I thought that was always really interesting because I like yeah. the familiar I like repetition I am an like variety yeah I like I, variety I like the same thing. So like I'm in the process right now of like, so I have a room that I, it's transformed a million uses and in remote learning, it became my, my room where I worked, but I want to turn it into my like official hobby room because with my anxiety, even though I want to practice self-care or do something fun, like a kid, like going into my room to play, right? Like we forget to play as adults because everything has to be productive, right? So I want to create like a hobby room where I can walk in and have all the things that I like to do, like ready to go. So I don't even have to think about it. All I have to do is go, I want to play. I'm going to go to my playroom so I can play. Um, yeah. Because the things that I've been finding a lot of joy in are getting back into cross-stitch, which is something my mother did um, and still does. Um, so I've started making like revolutionary cross-stitch. It's pretty fun. Uh, you poke things. Um, I also have gotten into hand lettering and I've actually found that to be really, really fun. So like I, I'm hand lettering a word, like I wrote, democracy yesterday and like then I like brainstormed all this stuff around it and then I'm I got into essential oils so now I'm like making my own like Epsom salts and like all the things and that's been really fun for me as well um so I'm gonna probably hand letter all of the different um essential oils that I have in their different properties and all of that but gardening taking bubble baths these are things I love to do um I'm trying to do 30 minutes of nothing each day where I literally just lay down on the deck and last night my 30 minutes of nothing didn't happen until like 10 o'clock but I went outside I laid down on the deck and I just stared up at the sky I invited my husband to come sit out we didn't even talk we just sat there I laid he sat there yeah um, but making sure that I take some time for literally quieting down because I yeah. my brain so loud my my tinnitus or tinnitus however it's called is screaming i had no idea how connected to stress that was my oh, that is are screaming non-stop which is causing me to be more like i know that it's making it harder for me to relax because i literally am hearing all the time in my head now because i'm stressed no i believe it because i've also had my bouts of it um, yeah, and I guess, like, in, in just wrapping up, like, you know, yeah, like, I, I think, like, there definitely are, depending on someone's situation, you know, whatever your, your, 
your tools were for self-care. You, you may, maybe this has been a chance for people to be like, oh, find joy in baking. That's not my joy. Um, so that's, that's really not going to be it for me. Um, yeah, I mean, I even remember back in early March, I didn't, um, I was going to go to a comedy show for a comedian that I adore, but then again, people were not social distancing yet, but because I'm a, I, I was a cancer patient, I'm like, oh no, I can't go to this show. And then of course, this same comedian ended up canceling all his like following shows because that's when, that's when um, COVID-19 was starting to be taken more seriously. But, um, but yeah, I think for me, I have to really, I really have to reevaluate what self-care looks like aside from resting, aside from watching shows. Um, and I think especially like now that summer is here, it's like, okay, how do I go outside more and take advantage, but in a way that's safe. And it's also a question of who do I let into my bubble and not? Yeah, that's, you know, that's the conversation we're all having. I've, I've talked to a number of my friends that are saying that they're sitting down with their friends and saying, hey, like we want to socialize, but we have to be smart. These are the things I'm doing that make me risky. These are the things that you're doing. We all agree on these things to keep us safe. And as long as we respect these rules, we can hang out. So like friends who have kids, like they're all negotiating these relationships with not just their friends, but also their extended family. Like that's, that's really an interesting thing that no one has actually laid a framework. We've just figured it out because we're all creative individuals who miss human connection. Except nope, for me, sure. I, I curl up in my house for two months and I'll have no oh, problem. With that. Oh no, no. Like I think whether someone considers themselves an introvert or extrovert, we do need human connection on some level. I mean, that's what this and, is. And, exactly. And, and so, yeah, I guess just like in the last minute or so, I'm just going to say that yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, just how do we support these movements around us wanting to be better allies um, and do, and like really like just, you know, just do the work that should have been done a long time ago and, holding and, and to do it more consistently. Do it more consistently. Every one of those companies who has sent you an email, every single education organization that I sign up for a free trial has sent me their statement on their commitment to social justice and to diversify their staff and ensure that they're actually creating culturally responsive curriculum and stuff like that. Hold those companies accountable and hold your employers accountable. Like, I think that's something that will be really helpful. I saw, I'm, I actually just shared it on my Instagram earlier today that there was a template for you to like fill out to give to your employer if they haven't yet taken a, a stance um, or made a public, um, like we can link it up in the, um, the notes for this chat. So if anyone's interested in it, I didn't click into it, but it looked like it was going to be really interesting. No, that's actually interesting. And then that actually, I think is going to be a topic we might talk about next yeah. week because there clearly is a power dynamic with one's employer. Like, okay, if, if Gap, it keep like they keep sending, and I'll I'll just say this is one of the last things. But like, if Gap keeps sending me like oh coupons and deals because they want me to buy from them, my relationship to them is like consumer to company. But if I were a Gap employee, that's a whole other ball game, and I want to acknowledge that. Um, and it also depends where someone falls in that hierarchy of a company. Yeah, um, exactly. but no, but no, it was good to chat with you. Yes. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to head to some other commitments, but, um, but yeah, I'll see you next week. I'll see everyone next week. Bye-bye. All right. Love you, girl. Bye. Love you. Bye.